one of your hosts, Thomas, and with me always is... Daniel. And yeah, so today we're talking about Final Destination 5, the final episode in this franchise we've been running. It's been a long road. <laughs> we started this way back in November, and yeah, we're finally finishing up. Uh, Daniel, would you like to read the uh, IMDb synopsis? Sure, yeah. Um, survivors of a suspension bridge collapse learn that there's no way you can cheat death. Very straight to the point on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and this fifth one is like, yeah, again, like four shot in 3D. And what did you think about this movie? Um, I actually liked this one. <laughs> it's It feels like every other Final Destination movie is a good Final Destination movie. Um so one thing I think works okay. with this one is we're back to having the characters know each other. Uh, so the first one, it's a class of students. They know each other. Second one, it's a bunch of strangers in a traffic a- accident. They don't know each other. Yeah. Third one is another, once again, students. So it's back to being a teen movie. Fourth one is, I already forget what the, oh yeah, it's a bunch of people at a racetrack. Yeah. And then this one, they're all coworkers. So we're back to having people who already have established relationships with each other. So, like I said, like, if if you're going to be killing characters off, I need to care about those characters. I don't necessarily care about the characters in this one, but at least they, at least there is some sort of relationship that can be explored. At least there are character dynamics that are more interesting than just, like, two people got in an argument at a racetrack sort of thing. Yeah, I agree. And I think the casting is good. I like David Co- uh, Koshner in it, and... It has a interesting kind of flow. The beginning sequence is pretty insane. Like the bridge collapse is like a really gnarly introduction that's probably on par with the second movie with the crash in that movie. But yeah, this, yeah. I don't know. I wasn't as crazy about this movie. It made me appreciate the silliness of the 3D in 4. But yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't too worried about the characters. I was just more focused on just if they use a 3D well, but... Yeah, I didn't like the premonitions, and yeah, I, the tone felt a little too heavy for me for some reason. Like, it was not quite as silly and as fun yeah. with, yeah, and so I, I guess you might have enjoyed it for that reason, but yeah, I wasn't yeah, quite <laughs> Yeah, um, this one, so I'm curious, so we both watched it in 2D, right? Yeah. Um, I... Watching this, I actually really wanted to see it in 3D because I feel like the 3D probably worked better in this one than the last one. And like yeah, watching prob- it in 2D, watching it in 2D, it has like a weird, there's something weird about it where there's like this very distinct separation between the characters in the foreground and the background. And it's not just like a shallow depth of field thing. Like there, it, it, it almost feels like the characters in the foreground have like this weird sort of flatness to them um okay but they still feel very separated like they're on different layers or something um the movie also has like a uh a glossiness to it that i feel like isn't in the other ones it it feels like the most digital most polished look but it kind of can teeter on artificiality in a way that i I don't know i could see some people finding unappealing that's a good point i guess i didn't quite notice that uh, I just was hoping that the premonitions would come in a creative way, and I didn't really get that. Like, there was just, I guess it was more subdued yeah. because everyone was just kind of, they would get a feeling, and then something would happen, and then that something would sometimes be really entertaining, but most of the times, it, I don't know, it didn't feel that, I don't know, the depths didn't really stand out that much to me. So, yeah, the opening, I thought the opening was really good, but 
yeah, it, it just, yeah, I wasn't too crazy about it. Yeah, and then, yeah, the tone and the music felt just super heavy. And so, yeah. You do bring up something interesting, which I think this is the least premonition heavy of the movies. I think there's really just that opening premonition. And then there's nothing to sort of uh, tip tip the protagonist off to the fact that, like, other characters are going to die. Yeah, not really. <laughs> yeah, they kind of just like, like huh, something weird. They feel something weird is going to happen. And then they go about it but then yeah we get the typical shots of things going wrong and like yeah like screws falling out or things like that yeah but the previous movie had that whole thing yeah like it was very in playing with 3d to have premonitions and the one before that it was photographs or like premonitions and yeah um, yeah so i guess i yeah you appreciated it because uh yeah you feel like it was a little bit more mature possibly <laughs> i mean it it, it it yeah, it wasn't as silly, and it felt like it was playing a little differently. Like one without the premonitions, and then two, it introduces this element later in the movie. Um, Bloodworth talks about it, where it says, "Oh, if you perhaps like take the life of someone who wasn't meant to die, then they will take your place uh, in death, while you would you'll gain their their years, you'll gain the remainder of their life." Um, yeah yeah so it's like introducing a new rule to sort of mix things up yeah and i thought that was funny because that's like the opposite of the rule that he introduces in the second movie right which is like they have they're like rushing to save somebody as opposed to like hey like just kill this person instead so i thought that was yeah that is weird (laughs) because yeah the maybe the the character who ends up doing it i was like okay this guy didn't really seem very threatening in the beginning yeah the um i need to pull up his name um uh, peter yeah, yeah, Peter, because, yeah, he seems like, you know, kind of a- aggressive or, you know, like a, a bro-y kind of dude in the beginning. I even wrote down, he's like, uh, not James Franco, but uh, his little brother. He's Dave like, Franco. Yeah, 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 like, yeah we were thinking the same thing. Yeah, so like, he reminds me of <laughs> Dave Franco for sure, like a Dave Franco knockoff. I, like, yeah, I think it's just the eyebrows, because I think he has a serious Tom Cruise energy. Okay, I think he's okay. like a comic, there, and there's like some shots where he ha- he kind of reminded me of Christian Bale, because he has the... Um, the young Bruce Wayne Christian Bale haircut. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got the hair going down. But yeah, he just has Dave Franco's eyebrows. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, just at the end. I don't want to get into spoiler territory too soon, but yeah, at the, the end, ending is like, yeah. It was just kind of. Yeah. I wait, wait. Okay, what was your what was your thoughts on the ending? Uh, don't was, don't spoil uh, it. But not just, not spoiling, but thinking about the way Peter was towards the end of the movie, it just seems a little bit silly. Okay. Just what he ended up doing at the end of the movie. Okay. So there is, this is also a Final Destination movie. I think the only <laughs> one that can be f- spoiled. Uh, yes. Yeah. Where there is like a reveal that happens in this movie and yeah. it hadn't been spoiled for me. And I found it, I found it really satisfying. I don't know how you felt. Um, I was not too crazy. I was crazy about it, but then once I was thinking about it, I you know, I started to break it down and then I was like, okay, this doesn't really work for me. But yeah, like when I was watching this movie as the uh, credits were rolling, the credits, like I kind of wrote down that they were taking a little bit long, but I thought it was pretty good. But then yeah, Tony Todd's name came up and I was like, yeah, like I'm really excited about this movie. And yeah, I just at the end didn't quite appreciate how he was used in this movie either. And so oh, kind yeah, of, definitely. That, that kind of ties into my overall opinion about it. It's just, it, it was just disappointing at the end, but I, I liked what they were trying to do. I just don't think they pulled it off really. Uh, should we start getting into kind of the breakdown of yeah, how, yeah. 
Yeah, because this opening um, sequence is just fucking gnarly. <laughs> it, I wrote down that it feels like a weird James Bond intro. Because, like, even the music is a little exaggerated and, like, I don't know. There's something about it. It had a James Bond vibe to me. But it, it just keeps going on and on. And it's sort of doing what the previous movie did with um, its, like, X-ray homage. This is just, like... It's just a 3D homage. It's just, like, stuff flying at the camera and, like, breaking uh, a pane of glass that is in front of the camera. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just the name's kind of... And then it's an extended credits because, yeah, it's, it's like, a lot of the main <laughs> production heads and everything. So it took a little yeah. bit of while, and I was like, okay, this is just, like, <laughs> getting the popcorn into the seats kind of credits. Yeah, <laughs> and I imagine it's just, like, you're you're going to see a 3D movie, and this is just kind of setting the tone. We're throwing all this 3D stuff at you, so you, you feel like you're getting your money's worth a little bit. Yeah, it's, like, calibrating a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, getting your eyes adjusted. Um, so then we basically just get introduced to a bunch of people who work together in some sort of it's some sort of like construction thing, right? I, I don't know what these people do. They don't explain it at all. They're kind of just <laughs> talking and having a conversation. And yeah, I, uh, I had to piece together that the one guy was a foreman and this. They're having a bake sale and sorry, I'm yeah. ahead of me, but yeah, oh, they're having it's just a, breakfast. Yeah, it's a breakfast thing. Yeah, they're just handing out breakfast to people. But but then one like yeah, over the top. yeah, Peter's giving Sam shit for like going way over the top because I guess he's trying to compensate for for some underperformance somewhere else or something. Yeah, um, and then inside but, uh, there's the the foreman who's having an argument with um this other guy who's just like giving him a lot of shit for being younger. Yeah. But also, okay, so Sam doesn't work with these people, right? Because Sam, we see later in the movie, he's he works at like a restaurant. Yeah, I think he might have just been providing the food there, possibly. Okay. Or, yeah, or he's just so like does, a friend of Peter, and he's just there helping out. Does Molly, Sam's girlfriend, work with him? Yes, I believe so. Okay, I think, so maybe he's just like a guest of Molly. Yeah. Okay. Um, but then I feel like there's like, yeah, now I'm like, now I'm like, what the fuck happens in this? Cause doesn't he, is it Sam who has like a weird sort of, uh, interaction with Dennis, the boss? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, once again, like (laughs) what the fuck is going on? Like what, how do these people relate to each other? Uh, work-wise anyway. (laughs) So this whole group of people, some of them coworkers, some of them maybe coworkers, uh they all board this bus and they're heading on a a work retreat and we get this scene and i feel like i don't know if our opening um you know our opening tragedy or whatever opening wreck um comes later in this movie than it does in other movies but it felt like it took a while to for things to really get rolling i'm not sure if you felt that way a little bit i think i was slightly more focused on the bridge collapsing when it actually happened because yeah as i was thinking about the connection of all the characters and you know how they're all linked up i was like i wasn't quite focused on that i i think i might have just <laughs> focused on once the actual like drive started happening and they all got on the yeah. bus because yeah one this other guy um i think it's isaac yeah he was just being like pervy and shit and so i was like yeah yeah being awful. fucking hated that guy yeah that guy is like he kind of reminded me of like jay sherman from the critic yeah did you ever yeah. watch the critic <laughs> yeah. yeah um yeah. but yeah i mean we've seen five of these movies we know how they're constructed i completely understand just being like get to the death sort of thing yeah. um so like once the bridge scene starts taking place um 
yeah, there's some like construction on the bridge, cracks start happening, cracks start forming, and the bridge just starts collapsing. And we get this um, extended sequence of everyone trying to rush away from the collapsing bridge, people diving across gaps in the bridge. I, I, I've yeah. seen footage from this before uh just online about like the magic of green screens and the magic of movies of like people diving across like green blocks and stuff like that and i never knew what it was from so it was kind of cool to see like oh it's from final destination 5 but i feel like this i feel like this opening scene there's more of a emphasis on tension than the other ones because it's we have people really trying to not die. (laughs) Like, we have people crawling across a beam and stuff like that. Uh, That's true. That's a really good point. And there are moments of, yeah, where some characters do survive, and they're like, okay, we're just going to coerce you, other characters, to to do the same thing, and then they fail at doing it. Yeah, like, the previous movie had people rushing around, getting crushed by things, but we don't see, like the tension of someone trying to like like there's like tension if someone trying to like crawl across a beam and then like yeah and we do get a little bit of someone else across yeah and we do get character in those small brief moments however very brief they might be because yeah like um um uh is it olivia castle uh <laughs> yeah i think that's the character's name and yeah she's like looking for her glasses kind of doing the velma thing <laughs> oh like... yeah yeah i totally <laughs> thought about velma yeah and then and it's... Uh, yeah. Sam comes up and saves her. Yeah, and it's really cool. It's like, okay, this guy is our little hero. He can show up and save somebody if they're in distress, theoretically, if things weren't going horribly wrong on this bridge. And we get a little scene where Peter and his girlfriend Candace, his girlfriend Candace kind of like runs off and like Peter kind of like hesitates and he doesn't join her and then she dies. Um yeah. So it's like he he doesn't have a hero moment. He kind of has like a a little bit of a cowardice moment. Um, yes, yeah. So so yeah, it's using this opening scene to sort of establish, teach us a little bit about who these characters are. True. Yeah, and it's pretty gnarly because it seems to be very keen on just pure mutilation. Because all these characters, we get very detailed like shots of them getting killed. <laughs> Yeah. In, in the way that like these pieces of construction material are just like bisecting their bodies yeah there's like i think david kochner gets is it kochner is that how it's pronounced he uh, gets like kochner is how kochner. I heard it. i've heard it kochner or kochner dennis yeah. <laughs> uh the yeah, boss dennis. he he kind of has like the most gruesome death where like a bunch of hot tar gets poured on him and it's like skin's melting off and stuff. yeah that's pretty bad yeah, um, and then oh, um, Peter gets sliced in half, which is pretty normal as far as a Final Destination movie is concerned. And but. it's like a pretty shitty effect, unfortunately. Like yeah. that is like kind of the worst effect in the movie because he he's completely CG at that point. Um, True. And he's yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's not even like it's like a CG thing at a distance. Like it is foreground coming towards the camera, full on three D style shot. Uh, because they use that to transition to a shot of him uh, back in the bus, having realizing he's had a premonition. Um, so then, yeah, as you as you expect in a Final Destination movie, he gets off the bus, he saves a bunch a group of people. Shit still goes down, but there's a bunch of survivors, and we get the mandatory "How did he know?" sequence where he's being interviewed by uh, I think it's Agent Block, who's like a member of the FBI. 
Yeah, and who I just don't like in this movie. He's just super yeah, he's person so, bad. He's so underused, too, because it's like that character basically serves no purpose. Almost no purpose in this movie. Yeah, and he's just like just doing a very stiff delivery of just like, well, like, I think you're wrong. And he's just, yeah, he's just not being very, I don't know very human at all it's just kind of saying the same thing over and over again it's just like okay you're just being so annoying and irritating for this plot like you're not letting things it's like you're not adding anything to this at all really well he tells david kochner he tells dennis <laughs> uh like if you see anything weird give me a call and so that is kind of like the reoccurring joke throughout the movie is that dennis just keeps calling him whenever he has any piece of information but that is yeah. like half of agent blocks screen time is just like taking calls from dennis um yeah, yeah the character doesn't doesn't mean it might as well be cut <laughs> out uh except for he he factors in in the end but um so after this we get our funeral scene our mandatory funeral scene and this is when we get introduced to tony todd as bloodworth um to- and tony todd he doesn't have the same sense of humor in this movie, I noticed. He's not as, like, charismatic, I feel like. But I know you, yeah, you said you had thoughts on how he was not here. Yeah, like, I was really excited when his name popped up in the <laughs> opening credits scenes. But, yeah, at this point in the movie, things vi- felt very morose and just very heavy. And yeah. when, he, when they're at this funeral, he's there and he's doing, like, the really, I don't know, I, yeah, this is, uh, this might be after... I don't know, before or after Batman begins. I don't know how, how sure, but yeah, there's some some heaviness here. I'm just like, okay, it feels like he's doing like something very mysterious that's on the lines of like something that reminds me of like a superhero movie where he's just lurking kind of very far back and just he's like just whispering things and he's in the distance and he yeah, just doesn't say as much. Cause in the first Final Destination movie, yeah, he's really he's really fun and he's like doing autopsy, not autopsies, but he's, like, preparing the bodies, like, in front of our main characters, and he's, like, having yeah, a great yeah. time doing it, and he's, yeah, like, he cracking jokes the, and shit. Rips out the, the, the nipple ring. The nipple ring, shit. yeah. <laughs> it's like, Shining moment in these yeah, movies. He's like, yeah, he's hamming it up. But yeah, here, it's just, like, it's a little bit, it's, I think it's played a little too heavy. He's a little more menacing. Um, but, yeah, after we get to this introduction of Bloodworth, who's... I don't know. He he just has some shit to say about death. I don't even remember. <laughs> um, we get uh, our first death scene, which comes 35 minutes into the movie. Our, our first death after the main accident. Um, so yeah, it felt like to me this movie was way more interested in taking its time to getting to like the violence and stuff. Um, yeah, and uh, I, it's funny that you say that because one of my notes was yeah, the death toll is 86, which I felt like was like the highest one so far mentioned on screen where yeah. like i think in the second one it's like 30 or something but they don't mention it but in the fourth one it's around 50 but here they're like yeah death toll 86 and i think it's just i think it's really specific that they you know, yeah that. yeah that is weird like they're counting everyone on that bridge um, yeah i i, I, did I, you, guess, I guess so yeah, did you watch like, the death toll video those youtube videos or what no i did for uh, two, but I haven't. Yeah, watched them for I haven't watched them because there. I feel like they were mentioned in the other ones, at least offhandedly or at least alluded to. But here we get the actual number on on the screen. Um. So yeah, we get our first death in this movie, which is Candace. She's uh, Peter's girlfriend, and she's a gymnast. 
And sort of the way this scene unfolds, we're getting introduced to our, our various elements that might kill her. Um, there's an extension cord that has exposed wiring laying on the ground. Um, there's a large air conditioning unit hovering over where the gymnasts are practicing. Um, there is a screw that fa- I think it falls out of the air conditioning unit and it yeah. lands on. I'm not sure what these um, what, what the equipment is called. The balancing beam. The balancing beam. Yeah, I like think that's where. What it's called. Yeah, where gymnasts will like walk along it and do flips and stuff like that. Um, so this the, and I think this screw is great. Like this is like my favorite part of this movie because the screw is just sitting on the balancing beam, pointy side up, as. Uh, Candace dances along the beam, uh, narrowly avoiding stepping on it. And you're just waiting for it to happen. And I feel like it is teasing you with the possibility of it and and really kind of uh, enjoying the tension there. Yeah, I think it's a great fake out. I think it's a really good moment. And it's played really well because... Um, yeah, Peter's there and he's watching his lane. He's nervous about it because, but, you know, because of everything so i think he's there like yeah. kind of nervous and yeah she gets up there she does her before she starts to do her thing she gets a weird feeling but we don't see anything and so yeah yeah i feel like the <laughs> lights kind of dim or yeah just like, like the that. nice yeah the lights kind of flicker but that's about it but and then yeah we get shots of everything else like the extension cord and all that other shit and then, yeah she does the entire routine and doesn't hit the screw and i was like okay okay <laughs> yeah uh, i was like i was into it i was like really good and then uh, when a other person on the crew goes up and starts her routine, and then she gets on um, the whatever that is, I don't even know what that's called. Where you get up and you start doing flips and stuff. Oh <laughs> and yeah, that's, that's what she's on, and then everything goes wrong. And uh, yeah, Candace is on the uh, I forget what it's called. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what this is. It's like a, <laughs> he's, it's like he's... a monkey bar sort of thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's a really high up fancy <laughs> <A> high bar, <laughs> Olympic monkey bar basically, and she's doing the flips, and then everything goes wrong, and on the balancing beam when the other girl steps on the screw. Yeah, she steps on the screw. She knocks over a bunch of powder that I guess like the people put on their hands before they uh, climb onto this this monkey bar. Yes. And... <laughs> The powder blows into the fan. It gets in Candace's face. She gets flung off of the pole. And she lands in such a way where her spine tears out the back of her... Tears she out of her back. She fucking crumbles. Yeah, yeah. She and, I was, crumbles. I was like, and I was like, yo, but, like if she's like a really good gymnast, shouldn't she be able to... Like... But my favorite part about... At least, like, about... kind of correct herself and not just, like, <laughs> die while falling. I mean, maybe maybe what's supposed to happen is that her hand slipped or something. But, like, it, it, just, it just seems like she got confused and flew up into the sky and then landed. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just... That was just so ridiculous. And I was just like, but okay. But, my all favorite... right, we're getting started, I guess. That's how we're going to get the ball rolling. <laughs> my favorite part about that, though, is that... After she has already crumbled on the ground, clearly dead, her body's twitching a little bit, but her spine is outside of her body. A woman says, Candace? <laughs> Candace. <laughs> like, she's like checking on her. It's like, yeah, like they might as well be like rushing over to check her pulse or something. Yeah, seriously. No, that's like, <laughs> it's like, reminds me of that scene in Robocop when the dude just gets decimated. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Give this guy an ambulance. Like, yo, he's, he's done. Like, he's, he's done. Yeah, that man is dust. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it was it, it was so just really this, brutal, and then yeah, Peter is just like c- completely just he's done after this after this moment in the movie. Yeah, 
they uh people at the office get together they're like doing shots and stuff to like sort of celebrate the fact that they're still alive but also just like mourn the dead and i don't know it's just like a coping mechanism and peter kind of loses it he like throws a glass against the wall meanwhile um jay sherman what's his name isaac um he's going through people's desks and just like stealing stuff from the deceased yeah which is not cool at all (laughs) (laughs) yeah like like, dude come on (laughs) but it's also like i don't know i feel like that that, like that is like the more entertaining thing that he does in this movie uh because he's trying to be sneaky about it and I, i don't know but True. I ended up not liking him at all, though, because he's, he's terrible. Just, he yeah. just says awful shit for the rest of the movie. <laughs> well, the rest of well, the rest of the movie for him isn't very long because uh, he steals a massage parlor uh, coupon or whatever, and he yeah, which goes... I just felt was just led to a very problematic scene. <laughs> just yeah, at the, at the Chinese he, massage parlor. He goes to a Chinese massage parlor and he's sort of like insisting that it's uh you know a brothel or something he's he wants a happy ending yeah um there's also like racism that gets introduced (laughs) during this scene um like yeah they do the the gag where he's talking and the masseuse is talking back and he can't understand it's like oh can i have some subtitles here and then subtitles show up and i was like oh yeah goodness gracious (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not it's not a great scene. It's Which so is... <laughs> yeah. and I feel like his offensiveness like there was a point where I was like, Yeah, we get it. He's an, he's annoying and offensive. And then he said he made the um Hey Buddha, maybe you can ease off on the uh, rice cakes or something like that. He he delivers this line where it's just like, Yeah, we knew. We knew he was annoying. Like we didn't need yeah. this extra line, like just just continue the scene. He's um, just riffing, riffing hard, yeah, and then he mocks the Buddha while going into the the little massage room and yeah and it, then he gets wrong, what's coming wrong, to him wrong movie to mock a buddha my friend yeah so uh the masseuse does her thing she's uh it's more of like a chiropractor at this point she's like cracking all of his joints and then um she starts doing acupuncture on him and she leaves the room and the bottle of alcohol that she used to sterilize the acupuncture needle needles fall, <laughs> falls on the falls on the ground and creates a puddle and a candle also falls on the ground and ignites it so now the room is on fire isaac is laying on the massage table he can't move because he has acupuncture needles in him he falls off he like rolls off the table falls face down onto all of the needles and the needles look great when they're in him like we get a scene of him pulling one out of him and it, at this point, they're nails. They don't even look like needles. They're super fucking thick. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I like that detail because it really plays on everyone's general fear and apprehension of acupuncture in the fucking first yeah. place. Is the fact they're that so, they're yeah, so you, fucking thick when he pulls them out. Yeah, like, like, I've never had it in real life. Have you ever had it in real life? No, I've, I've been curious. I've never done it. Yeah, it's one of those things where I've had people even offer, like, hey, yeah, come in, we'll do, like, a little discount or something. I'm like, no, like, I just, yeah, I, I don't, don't like needles. I'm kind of really nervous about it. Especially yeah. discounted needles? That seems like... Or it was, like, you know, friends that <laughs> friends that worked at spas, they're like, okay, like, we'll, we'll kind of give you we'll a little... We'll hook you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll hook you up for, the, for coming in. But, I, yeah, I, I mentioned in my notes that yeah, this and the bridge collapsing play into, yeah, two fears that I have Yeah, in my life. I don't like acupuncture. I'm very apprehensive of it. And then also, like, driving over bridges is something that I'm always really nervous about just because bridges are 
kind of sketchy in my mind. And I grew up in the Bay Area where I've been driving over bridges my whole life. I should be comfortable with it. But somehow every time I'm on a bridge and driving over it, I'm always like, oh, like you know, what, what, what would happen if, you know, we stopped yeah. and things went awry? And so I think this movie plays with a lot of good fears that are very relatable and very, I don't know, I don't want to say primal, but very relatable fears in this movie. Well, the Bay Bridge, I remember there was an article that came out like, so they redesigned the Bay Bridge. They rebuilt it. They built rebuilt a different section of it. Yes. Um, and the newly constructed portion of the Bay Bridge, I remember there was an article that came out about how these like metal rods that were used in the in the bridge were from some company that like they contracted that ended up using some sort of inferior metal that like yeah. breaks down. Um, I think with water and yeah, the way, about this. Yeah. yeah, and the way the bridge is constructed, those rods are used in a place where there's nothing they can do to like access them and replace them. Um, yeah, so yeah, a lot like it. There's there's warrant to being afraid of driving on the Bay Bridge. Yeah, in my time when I've had to when I've had to drive to Vallejo from Martinez and I've had to go over whatever that bridge I think it's just yeah. the Vallejo bridge. That bridge it gets so windy, it gets terrifying. I'm like, okay, yeah. like I might as well just be in a disaster movie right now because I feel like my my little Versa is just going to take flight and just get blown <laughs> off of this bridge. And so yeah, the the opening sequence of this movie kind of like played on some of those fears. The acupuncture scene really played on those fears. The Gym, gym, uh, gymnastic scene, not quite so much because I don't know, I, it didn't really quite work, but this one did because I was like, okay, yeah, acupuncture is creepy, <laughs> at least in a way that it's foreign to me. So maybe that, I don't know, I need to try it. <laughs> maybe I'll, I won't be afraid if I try it myself, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's, yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it's at this point that Bloodworth, uh, shows up again. He's, he's the coroner. And the, you know, the rest of our survivors, they speak to him and they try and figure out, like, why are you here? Like, why do you know all this shit? And he, it's revealed, yeah, he is the coroner. This is his job to be here. And he puts the idea in their heads that if you take the life of someone who wasn't meant to die, you will take on their years and they will take your place in death. Um, so now we're playing with this idea that maybe our, our heroes, quote unquote heroes, should kill somebody. Yeah. Um, so after this, we get a scene with Olivia Castle. Um, she's sort of like a Megan Fox character. That's what I wrote down. <laughs> um, that that works. Um, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> she's going to get laser eye surgery um, to because you know she had glasses <laughs> and I don't know. That's it. <laughs> she's she's yeah, going well, to get laser eye surgery. Yeah. Well. Yeah. After the. I, yeah. I guess it. I think the idea was somehow the in the premonition when she was looking for the glasses like that whole thing yeah. kind of stuck with her but yeah it didn't quite work because yeah, it doesn't that, make sense that like yeah she's motivated to get rid of him now but um, yeah this is something that comes comes up again for me later in the movie but yeah but yeah we're gonna keep, okay yeah, i'm interested to get there yeah yeah but continuing yeah she goes in, in there to get lasik because she's done with glasses and she, yeah, she throws her glasses into the glasses uh some bin yeah yeah it's the uh donation glasses donation bin yeah I was like, okay interesting little detail but yeah she goes and sits down and gets this like clamp put on her eye yeah and they like lock her head into place for the machine and when the doctor leaves the room 
uh, there's a, a water cooler in the room with a, a cup on top of it. And the cup of water falls off and it hits an outlet, which causes a surge in the laser tool. So now the laser is way too powerful and it starts beeping and uh, Olivia starts freaking out and she like reaches for uh, the device to turn it off. This, this um, you know, switch that's attached to a cable and the switch falls off of a, a desk or whatever and hits the ground and it just turns the laser on and now she's getting a laser into her eye, a high powered laser that's just carving up her eye. She tries to block it with her hand. It's carving up her hand. She manages to uh, release her her head from this clamp that it's in. And <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> like, she, throughout all of this, she was nervous about the procedure, so she was holding a teddy bear. And at one point, the teddy bear's eye falls off. So when she gets up from her seat, and when she unclamps her head, um, our heroes burst into the room because they know that something is wrong. And she slips on this teddy bear eye. Her, like, heel and her high heel catches, catches the teddy bear eye. She slips and she falls out the window and falls onto a car below. And then she rolls <laughs> off the car. Her eyeball rolls out. Yeah. <laughs> and then the eyeball gets run over by another car. Um, yeah, absolutely ridiculous. And I was <laughs> enjoying the scene up until the point where, like, it gets a little bit kind of wacky when she flips the switch and the laser starts to actually go yeah. and carve I think, into her. I think and, the and go ahead. Okay, there's a little bit of lag. Um, I okay, think okay. I think the real problem is uh, that she dies by falling out the window because it's yeah, like yeah. you're setting up this whole laser eye surgery thing and that's how you're gonna pay it off. Like yeah, yeah. It's like come on, you just totally just switched it and pulled that punch but i was really enjoying that scene because it reminded me of your short horror film where you like had the eye open and, oh. the needle and i was just like yeah it's like when in the very beginning of the scene where she's just like sitting in the chair just kind of like shaking and holding the bear and like yeah he like goes and puts the clamp in their eye and it's just something as simple as that can you know get me kind of tense and very cringed up and yeah, I think the payoff of it is an extreme letdown after all of the setup because, yeah, yeah she's in the chair. I thought the laser was going to do something insane or, like, fall or do something ridiculous. Yeah, like, because, fall on the ground and start yeah. spraying all over the room or something. Yeah, because you know? we've seen, like, that's what I was like, okay, we've seen crazier shit in some ways in in these movies, so why not? But, yeah. Because it's like, she falling gets out, out. She, Falling out of a window, literally, like, you could find a reason for anyone to fall out of a window. Like, that's not, it's not bringing the creativity of the Final Destination franchise to the table. Yeah, and that was, that's what ties into the whole thing that the premonitions are always kind of just, like, weird, spooky spooky feelings as opposed to we're actually seeing things with clues and being Mm -hmm. led to, like, the possibility of diverting it or saving someone like in yeah, three I, 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 it's not quite mentioned in the second one or the first one but i i feel like in this one they were just like okay we're just gonna just throw that out the window just, hey oh something feels weird They're like okay whatever <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. keep going it's just like like come on give like give me something at least in four they at the very least throw something at our face like at the very yeah, least they do. throw <laughs> like, um yeah i think I'm, that's I'm a, a simple man at least that's a reasonable <laughs> thing to you know, more in the loss of, uh, for the fifth entry. Um, so 
after this, after the laser scene, or really the car scene, and I think the there's there's like some sort of built-in um, twist here where she falls out of a window onto a car, and in the premonition, uh, she fell off the bridge into the water and she survived, but then a car fell off the bridge onto her. So it's sort yeah, of like yeah. it's sort of twisting that. Um, I see. I see that. That's also, cool. um, Candace died on a beam, right? Or am I wrong? Yes. No, wait. Correct. No, Candace, uh, she just died on the bridge. She just fell off the bridge, actually, now that I think about it. Because um, it was Molly who yeah. successfully crossed the beam. And and Olivia died falling off the beam, and then a car fell on her. Yes. But yeah, I do think that many of the deaths throughout this movie sort of call back to the opening the opening uh, wreck, tragedy, accident, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. go ahead. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about... Um, I got my notes Nathan. up here. Yeah. yeah, Nathan pushing his like the coworkers like giving this foreman, which is like this is a weird subplot of this movie where this other employee inside of this factory has like beef with this other character who's like a lot younger and he, like he gets his hours cut and so he goes and they have this confrontation. And they're, like, having this argument in front of this hook. And it was this one moment when I was watching this yeah. 2D. And I was like, yeah, like, in 3D, I bet that hook looked fantastic. Because I had, like, a <laughs> shot of it just, like, floating right there. I was like, all right. I, yeah. I, I, the frame the frame looks good as far as the 2D is concerned. I wish I could have saw it in 3D. Yeah, they're definitely playing with depth a lot in this. Um, like, we're, like, seeing the camera from, like, way above. The camera's, like, suspended above the characters and stuff like that. Um yeah, so like early yeah. on in on the bridge, there's this part where they're looking over because there's construction happening on the bridge. That's another reason why it fucking falls and gets destroyed. And so there's like a perfect square that the camera hovers over. Yeah, that that gave me pause because I was like, "What are these construction? Work- Is that something they do? Is they just, <laughs> just cut out squares on a bridge? Um, maybe that's how they deal with serious potholes. Like, maybe that's the only way to deal with it. You just gotta cut part of the ridge out. It's like, this is not OSHA certified at all. This is just a, a square in the middle of the middle of the asphalt while but people one thing, are still driving over it. Yeah. One thing I think that is probably really fun in 3D is in that bridge sequence, all of the wires that are that the bridge is suspended by are, like, snapping off and, like, swinging around and, like, swinging into the foreground and background and stuff. And so I bet that's probably pretty cool in 3D. Yeah, um, and in the premonition, that's how... Um, the that's character... how Nathan gets killed. Yeah that's, yeah, that's how Nathan gets killed is by that, like, a wire. So maybe this, ha- this, uh, this hook that's on a wire, that maybe that's paying a reference to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm seeing it now. I'm seeing it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Nathan, he's having an argument with his coworker Roy, and this 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 hook on a on a walk cable comes falling down, and Nathan's telling Roy like we gotta get we gotta get out of the way we gotta get out of the way. Roy doesn't listen, and it collapses onto Roy's head. I think, um, or like or no, it like breaks through what they're standing on, and they both fall, and it catches him in the throat, like in the yeah. neck. Yeah. And I was really hoping it was going to catch him the balls, uh, just because <laughs> just because it felt like that's what it was building up to. Like the camera slowly pans up, you see his dangling legs, and then it just keeps panning right up his body to his head. Um, that been yeah, that would have been fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it just goes yeah, it goes through his head, and then like his helmet pops off or something as the the hook goes finally through. Um, it's kind of yeah. 
so so dennis shows up to the site dennis the boss and well everyone shows up to the site and they're all trying to figure out like what the hell happened uh peter is accusing uh nathan of having killed roy that nathan set this up to happen so that he could inherit roy's years and roy would take his place in death and nathan confesses to it he says yeah i think i did kill him um dennis shows up he wants to know what's what's gone wrong and everyone is asking sam like who's next who's next to die who's next and then as this is (laughs) happening uh, a wrench hits some sort of like belt sander or something and it flings into i think just into dennis's head it like cuts him apart basically right it, it like doesn't fully impale there's a shot afterward with him just like a gash inside of his face but okay. yeah it, it just seems like it's feeling a slight prerequisite uh, for these movies to have a sudden and yeah there's gotta be a death. surprising one yeah just just as much as there has to be a premonition or uh, a false premonition at the beginning that leads to yeah. everything and then moments of the person who had this feeling being interrogated by someone yeah and then people not we gotta jump through all yeah, these the, loops yeah this is another like just a hoop in the final destination uh check but checklist where i'm like okay like like do we just ha- like this was cool but i feel like it could have been a throwback to the oil thing but it wasn't and the death yeah you're right and the death is a punchline the way like a lot of these sudden deaths are um the previous yeah. movie it was um talking about deja vu and then he dies the same way as a bus accident yeah and then it's followed by this sequence which i mentioned in the beginning which i felt was kind of strange with um sam and like okay so entire uh, throughout this movie there's this other um small setup happening where sam is interested in going to this abroad like uh it's an internship with this restaurant that he works at yeah he's there's some scenes where he's like doing some stuff in the back like doing some sous chef work and he's really trying to impress his boss yeah his boss has a french accent yeah (laughs) really he's so he's badass and so he's really trying to do his best and and yeah he's 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 just getting by and he very humbly asks to to do this internship abroad and he says yes and and so they're celebrating at towards the end of this movie he's celebrating and they're having this really romantic dinner inside the restaurant when it's closed with all these candles everywhere and i was just like okay cool all right like they're having a little nice little romantic moment in this movie yeah and then yeah peter shows up and then just totally just like just just ruins it Uh, yeah, Peter shows up. It is established that... So he so he sits down with them, and he starts talking to them about the whole, if you take someone's life who wasn't supposed to die, then you can take their years thing. And we get some shots of him, um, you know, as he's telling the other characters about this, we get shots of him on a um, walking down a street, and there's a woman standing on the side of the road, and a bus is coming, and he's considering pushing her in front of the bus. And then he tells them that he couldn't do it. Um, Cause he says, he says something along the lines of like, did, did she deserve to die or something? And yeah. Molly says, no, like no, no one deserves to die. And then he's like, so why do you deserve to live? <laughs> and so he pulls yeah. out a gun and he tries <laughs> to kill Molly because, well, because it has been established that Sam actually in his premonition, he managed to save Molly. So Molly was never supposed to die on that day. So Molly has years uh, worth, worth taking, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, now, now Peter is in villain mode. 
And like I said, I thought he had kind of a Tom Cruise thing going on. So like watching him, it, it just made me think about like, man, it would be cool if Tom Cruise was like a psycho villain in a movie. Like he hasn't really done that. Yeah, um, besides Collateral, which is as most sinister as he's gotten for yeah. most roles. I feel but... like I, f- I feel like he can go full on like Jack Nicholson in The Shining because he's already kind of weird. Absolutely, yeah. I think that'd be great. I think that'd be really great to see. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, Peter is now going full villain. And so he's... Yeah, and my favorite part of this is when he's doing this little thing where he's saying he's like, he has like the gun and he's like kind of egging him on, but he's also like, hey, like, I don't have to kill you, but you know, I can kind of let death, do, like if death wants to happen or if I want to help like sway it in this way, he's like turning on the burners inside the kitchen and everything. And I was like, okay, this is kind of, cre- I, I, I liked it a little bit. I guess I was a little bit, I said I didn't quite at the beginning, but I, yeah, like I, it, it's weird, but like I was interested in, in like the things he was doing because yeah, he was yeah, turning on these burners frantically and just like, yeah, t- talking about, yeah, like I don't have to kill you, but you know, maybe I can just help push it along a little bit. And it feels like this is basically just taking from Final Destination 3 because we had, um, I forget what that character's name was. His, he was named, uh, oh, McKinley. He yes. was just trying to kill uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character because because his own girlfriend had died and now he, he wanted to, his theory was that, well, if it kills the last person, then it'll skip us. So it was operating yeah. in a different way, but it's still like a similar type of character. Honestly, I think it's a nice progression of that idea at, uh, at saying it in the in the most positive light because yeah like i like that he is egging it on a little bit and so yeah i might have might have contradicted myself but yeah i think it's <laughs> nice I, I think it's nice that yeah he's kind of yeah waving the gun at him and turning on the burners and just giving this like this weird speech and then they have like a little bit of a clunky fight after that but besides yeah. that i like i like the setup of it and then, so during this fight, Sam and Peter are fighting. Uh, it feels like Peter's Peter's got him. He's going to kill him. And then Agent Block shows up uh, because he was outside and he heard gunshots, I think is what it was. And Agent Block just gets killed. <laughs> like, Peter kills Agent Block. Uh, I feel like yeah. that that is basically the most pivotal moment for this character is that he exists to die later in the movie. Um, Sam ends up killing Peter with some sort of like meat skewer thing. Um, yeah, this really strange kitchen tool that's almost like a trident, basically. Just yeah, and the way the way Peter died in the premonition was that he was impaled by a bunch of rebar. So it's kind of calling back to that, and they're both very three D moments where whatever it is that impaled them is just like coming out at the camera. Yeah, Um, definitely, definitely. So after this, I guess everything is resolved. Sam and Peter are like, "Hey, we did it," and uh, he gets his he gets his internship. Right? Is that what causes them to take this trip? Yes, that's why there's the. So so this is point. the real the real real spoiler. If you if you Goodness. want to, this is the one thing where, you know, you, if you're gonna see this movie, you don't want this spoiled for you because it's. I think it's good, and at this point, yeah, you probably sure know what. You probably know what's up. And be sure to watch the first four just to make sure <laughs> yeah. you're caught up. But uh, so they get on this plane to go to Paris, and it turns out it's flight 180. Um, yeah, and I think this is 
it was super cool to me for 30 seconds and then it became <laughs> kind of uh, uh, offensive to me because earlier in the movie we have Bloodworth literally telling them he's like I've seen this seen happen before. before. He's hey. seen this happen before. And so when we they get on this plane. don't know how long this has been happening. <laughs> like, I don't know. Is this like some like time skipping? Because, yeah, if he's seen this before, then them getting onto the plane is like a really cool re- reveal for all but like 10 seconds because, yeah, like, okay, well, has this hasn't happened? Like, has this happened? Or like, it just was really frustrating once I, once they I, got on there. Because I was like, this clearly wants to be cool and like a, a, like a really subvert and creepy like not creepily uh a hidden prequel so to speak but i don't know yeah it totally works for me because it's like (laughs) because as soon as you realize you're like oh no and then they should they cut to footage of the first final destination where like the characters are arguing and like wrestling with each other as they get off the plane and i thought that was really cool that they just incorporated footage from the first movie into this one Uh, yeah and actually i don't even think it's like that hard of a cut i thought it was um, they're having the realization in one part of the frame and they just like briefly pan over and then it's yeah. the other two characters just getting kicked off. And I thought I that was really, I thought it was cool. And I was like, okay, seamless. that's dope. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. I thought in in theory, it's a really dope idea. But yeah, once you start to think about it, yeah, then Tony Todd's presence in this movie is also unnecessary entirely because he's like, why is he telling them about this or telling them, like, oh, this has happened before if, yeah, but uh, like maybe maybe maybe, th- maybe it has happened before. <laughs> maybe there's a bunch of maybe Tony Todd has a bunch of stories of shit like this happening, and the first one okay okay movie isn't the first one. Okay think, okay okay. I think okay, one of the pro- okay. one of the problems though, when you start to think about it, is if Flight 180 went down and a survive and two survivors of a bridge collapse were on that flight, surely that would have been a big story. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like everyone would have been like, right. wow, crazy that those people survived a bridge collapse, but then they died on this plane. Um, <laughs> true, true. But, uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, okay. I'm, I'm getting a little bit more convinced as you're saying it because, yeah, I'm, I'm tying it specifically to it happening before the first movie. But yeah. I guess maybe, it, that doesn't have to be necessarily the case. <laughs> maybe six. <laughs> maybe Final Destination six is going to also have Tony Todd saying, I've seen this before. And then that movie yeah. ends on a bridge. <laughs> yeah. My my idea for six is I think it's solid. <laughs> What's your idea? Unless you don't want I, it. You don't want it out there. <laughs> I, don't, I'm, I don't mind telling it to the viewers. <laughs> I think they just, just like just double down, and they should just have Tony Todd be the person that is personifying death, and have him just be the oh, fucking Grim Reaper. I thought you were gonna say <laughs> have Tony Todd be the one who survived, and so no, it's I like think... <laughs> Final Destination Origins, and it's like he was the first one that, to experience this phenomenon. Maybe I think I like that idea. Maybe that's that could be a part of it. But then it's maybe. like, but then it's not Tony <laughs> Todd. You're casting someone to play a, a young Bloodworth. Yeah. Um, call up my boy from uh <laughs> lovecraft country <laughs> and be a young tony Todd. Hey. <laughs> um so yeah i think another reason this ending works for me is because it's a total downer like you really feel yeah. because you know where things are going and the characters are having the slow realization and they're completely fucking trapped it's not like a bus where you can get off once you realize something's wrong and you're just watching them deal with this horror and tragedy yeah 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 it's kind of rough because they just go yeah go towards the inevitability 
that we know is, yeah, this plane's going to fucking explode. So it kind of becomes this weird emotional roller coaster in a bad way because I feel like it works really well having as a as a tragic ending and like this downer ending but then it is followed up by nathan at roy's memorial uh nathan who killed his co-worker roy he claims to have killed his co-worker roy um they're all getting drunk at a bar and someone tells nathan <coughs> like oh roy uh, during his autopsy they discovered he had a brain aneurysm yeah he could have died at any minute and then Nathan's like, any minute? So that means, yeah. you know, the years he took from this man weren't long. And so after he says any minute, uh, part of the plane just, like, falls into the bar and just crushes him. Uh, yeah, and then his fucking hand flies towards the screen. Yeah, and, and, then, like, and, then, and then the credits roll. And I'm like, okay, like, that's Yeah, it is so the most exaggerated 3D. Yeah. It's like the end of Fury Road when the steering wheel comes at the camera. Um, yeah, it's a shout out to the barbecue grill explosion from two. I'm just, yeah, just like... it's like we have to end on the silliest <laughs> note. Um, and so we get yeah, that, yeah. and then during the closing credits, we're getting just like I know there's like shots of stuff during the closing foot foot during the closing credits, but like I think we technically end on a shot of Tony Todd smiling. <laughs> yeah, and that that's is like one of the final shot, images yeah. of the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's the last shot is him doing the the wink from basically the funeral scene earlier. And then yeah. it's followed by a credit scene that, feel, to me, it feels like a lesser version of the opening credit scene from 4, which is just like a recap of all of the deaths from yeah. the first three and four, now four movies of the series, all in 3D, presumably. Like, it would be redone for that gimmick. But, yeah, it just didn't really work for me. It, it felt kind of yeah. tacky. So it's like, okay, this is just like a little bit of extra that we didn't quite need at the end. And yeah, just Tony Todd winking like... towards the camera. I was like, 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 okay, like you guys didn't, like you weren't quite that silly throughout, like you didn't quite get that silly throughout the movie. And so yeah, why, why now at the end? <laughs> I think the Nathan moment probably would have worked better as a post-credits. Um, yeah. So, Cause so it's like you have time for people to experience the, you know the the heavy emotions of final destination five when uh sam and molly die in the plane crash and then after yeah. you know as a little so opt- cherry on so top opt- epilogue nathan dies from a you know plane rubble or whatever yeah he, yeah match that optimism and pure death with a little bit of brevity at the end yeah um any additional thoughts on final destination five no, I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, just like that that turn towards the end was just I, I think it's the movie trying to make a really bold statement and then yeah, thinking about it I I am liking the more cuz what of what you mentioned, but yeah, initially it kind of bothered me cuz I feel like yeah, it a lot hinges on that being like a sound plot turn. And it, it just felt not nah, I, I don't know, it was just kind of weird to me. Yeah. Um yeah, how do you rank them? We're we're at the end. We're at the end of the whole series now. We can breathe a sigh of relief. We're, we're done with Final Destination. Yeah, it's our it's our second full series that we've gone yeah. through. Yeah, how do you how uh, do you rank them? Um, in hindsight, I would probably say my order goes three at number one, number one at number two. Um, sh- probably <laughs> uh, yeah. So three one. 
Mm, maybe. F- yeah, fuck it. Three, one, four, two, five. What? Four? <laughs> four was. I don't. Ah, dude. Four in is... hindsight. In hindsight, four, so I get to see a, a clansman get fucking <laughs> a Nazi get dragged by a, a, a truck. <laughs> get to see the dude get sucked by his asshole through the thing. Jesus. Like, it's just, it's just, it's fucking silly. I, I don't know. I think I might like four more in hindsight because it, it literally just it gives the least fucks out of any of them. So it's yeah. like, okay, we're just gonna give you the shortest, most just blunt version of this. I like three because it's the most creative, nuanced, and nuanced and well-executed version of them, but yeah. The other ones I'm kind of lukewarm about. <laughs> like, I don't feel super strongly about the other ones. Um, I think I do one, three, five, two, four. Um, I think the James Wan, James Wan okay. ones are the best. Um, the first one just has that real nostalgic late 90s, early 2000s vibe um, that I really like. I think it's just it's like a time capsule, you know. Uh, three is three introduces some cool stuff with like the photographs and like the characters work pretty well, and it's also a teen movie. Um, five, like I said, I'm I'm pretty fond of this one. <laughs> um, yeah. I think it it almost feels like a reboot or something like that. Like it ha- it has like a slightly different bi- vibe while still being the same movie. Uh, two, True. two, I think deserves to be seen as the low point. <laughs> um, yeah because i cannot stand four man <laughs> i cannot get enough for for sure I, yeah i think yeah i think they are all better viewing as a whole but if i like i i don't think i could watch uh, i don't know maybe i might just pick out three just to to peak or maybe one but overall it's like yeah like it's one of those ser- series where like i, I couldn't watch them on their own because i just don't yeah, after not seeing them and him watching all of them in order, yeah, it's just like okay, like I don't have to do that ride. I don't have to do that roller coaster again. <laughs> I don't have to go down that final destination road. And if I do, it would probably yeah be three or one. But yeah, I, I'm yeah. kind of with you. Yeah, four is like right on the fence of being just absolute garbage or just like okay, this is because it's silly. It's <laughs> like <laughs> if you had to introduce someone to the series, would you start with like you put three at the top? Would you just show them three? Because that one kind of stands on its own. Uh, I wouldn't just start with three. If I was going to start them with the series, I would show them one and then maybe three and then be like, okay, now you, then I would give them the option. Like, okay, now it's up okay, to Okay, now me. where do you want to go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like, and then kind of ease them. Um, yeah. What have you been watching lately? So, yeah, recently I have been watching Euphoria. It's mm. uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this show. I haven't. I've heard great things. Haven't gotten around. Yeah, yet. yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Um, Zendaya won the Emmy for Best Actress in this last Emmy Awards, and I was like, okay, let me see what this this whole buzz is about. And yeah, I thought it was really, really well produced. Like, I think it uh, it's under the A twenty four production house in some way, or it's like kind of related to A twenty four and somehow, but. The visuals are fantastic, like like a lot of dreamy, really crazy camera work where things are just like getting twisted and drug show. It's it's really great, really well acted. The yeah, just the production values is fantastic. Wasn't too yeah. crazy about the plot of it. It gets a little melodramatic and a little a little silly. The villain gets a little cartoony because I don't know. It's just it does the 
teenagers in high school dealing with sex and drugs thing well, but at certain times it just gets a little crazy. Hmm. But the the main reason why I watched it is because recently there was an episode that's like a Christmas themed uh, one off special where it's like quarantine produced, so it's hmm. all just like one. It's one location with two characters. It's like a bottle episode where they're yeah. just like it's just two characters talking to each other for like one hour, just like really getting into some deep philosophy. And it's a, a nice change from the show because the show is really, yeah, fluid and just like uh, almost like nauseating with like the flashing lights and just like yeah, just like strobe effects and just going all out visually. So it's really interesting to do. Sorry to see an episode succeed for being none of that and just yeah. being very stripped down. And yeah, it was really really satisfying episode of television just to see two characters just like talking and it's really well written yeah a little euphoria it was eh, crazy binge watch that over like a week it's eight episodes so it's not that long oh okay are the episodes an hour yes okay yeah it's not bad yeah um lately i've been watching a lot of siskel and ebert reviews on youtube <laughs> like they're all okay. yeah, yeah. reviews yeah, I feel like remember catching. I've seen some of those like not too long ago, like a few months ago. I was catching some, and yeah, there's some interesting ones of like big blockbuster movies. It's it's they had such a it was such an interesting show because I feel like their criticisms aren't always the most thoughtful. Like sometimes they're just fucking brutal. Like you can find yeah. episodes on YouTube where it's just um, the worst. Re- the worst movies of the year every year they would do the worst movies of the year <laughs> yes, and yeah. like they're they're just they're fucking mean <laughs> like they're just calling yeah. movies dumb like uh return to oz um siskel said that he wasted two hours of his life and he said something like yeah he said something like when i die <laughs> i'm gonna feel life. really bad that like i lost two hours of my life and then roger ebert says well at your funeral i'll stand over your grave and say he would have had two two additional hours of happiness had it not been for a return to us um, yeah fucking yeah they're fucking relentless cisco was always really brutal against yeah like sci-fi and anything that was just remotely weird or strange and so yeah you like they hated one of my yeah yeah, one of my favorites is terminator 2 and they're like uh yeah uh roger ebert's like yeah this is like this is cool like james cameron has like a a good grasp of like sci-fi and horror and like the strange and and then like siskel's like this is just another like sci-fi like garbage and he's like just completely disregards it like yeah this is one of the most influential like movies of all time yeah they're still making them in defiance of god yeah, yeah, it's like, this is, like, and even that, it's, like, it's still, like, you know, a pretty slick version of what that can be, and, yeah, yeah like, I think it still holds up for being, I don't know, like, I'm not too crazy about Avatar or other stuff, but I think fucking T2 is pretty fucking tight, and so, yeah. yeah T2's like, great. I, I think the yeah. low point in T2, for me, is just when it plays bad to the bone once he puts on the sunglasses. <laughs> it's like, all right, yeah, yeah. James Cameron, like, we know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah G- G- Siskel said that. Uh, P- have you seen Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Uh, no, I haven't seen that. Movie My God, I think I've seen like bits and pieces of it. I grew up with that movie. Like, I fucking love that movie. Movies. But uh, Gene Siskel declared it like one of the worst movies of the year when it came out, and he shows a clip from yeah, it, it of just like Pee Wee on a bike, like showing off for some kids before he like crashes his bike. And Roger Ebert hadn't seen the movie. 
And he was like, you know, based on that clip, I think I might like this movie. <laughs> um, yeah, Roger Ebert, yeah, he, like, is definitely a little bit more, like, soft-hearted and more open-minded and able to kind of understand where a director is possibly coming from. But it seemed like Siskel was always just like, I don't understand this and I don't want to, therefore this is bad. And, like, and yeah, he's pretty pretty brutal when he comes, like, tearing stuff down. Yeah, I think Gene... As I was watching it, I was like, I think Gene represents so much of what people hate about coastal elites. Like, he's just, like, talking about, I don't know, on his best of list, he's talking about, like, an Ingmar Bergman movie and, like, a Terrence Malick movie and stuff like that. And it's like, give the people what they want. (laughs) Like, talk about Terminator. (laughs) Yeah, I I think he even, like... He hated E.T. and shit. Just like, yeah, just like anything that was just remotely blockbuster or on that edge of crowd pleasing, just a heartwarming shit. He's like, okay, this is sci fi dribble. I, don't I remember I had a professor talk about Star Wars, and he was like, I'm not going to deny the impact that Star Wars has had on film, but the impact is more like the impact a meteor would have on the Earth. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> That's great. But uh, speaking of Star Wars, did you watch <laughs> Mandalorian? Yeah, there's so there's a lot of Star Wars news. This oh my week. god! Yeah. Yes, yes, I watched the Mandalorian. Um, yeah, I thought it was a good episode. Um, it, uh, it was funny. I, I like Bill Burr. Yeah, <laughs> he's a Bill Burr polarizing great. person. Yeah, he's, he can be polarizing, but I think he puts on a good performance within this universe. Uh, I was not crazy about one of the decisions they made. I think we're going to spoil or something big if people have not been watching the show. Go for it. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. The whole taking the mask off thing. I, I, I wasn't too crazy about how they play that out, but I don't know. What what were your thoughts about it? Um, I really liked the episode. I feel like Rick Famuyiwa needs to have his own show at this point. Uh, Cause I think mm. he is, has so far done some of the strongest episodes throughout the series. Um, this one, this one was really strong. What, what other ones has he done? He did the one last season where the Bill Burr episode last season, where oh, okay. it's it's kind of a play on Alien, where they're like roaming around this uh, space station and Mando's sneaking around, and um, yeah, I don't know. That one was really great. It was like a nice ensemble piece, uh, and he wrote and directed that one, and he wrote and directed okay. this one. Um, but yeah, it sort of feels like. Rick Famuyiwa is just, ta- I think I'm saying his last name. I think it's Famuyiwa. He, he it sounds yeah, like he's so. just taking some of the tensest moments or like some of what he sees as like the coolest moments in movies. And then just is like, what if we did in Star Wars? So like, like I said, last season it had like an alien vibe where Mandalorian's sneaking around and taking down these people. Um, this season, this, this last episode is taking from Wages of Fear. Are you familiar with Wages of Fear? No. So Wages of Fear, um, I'm not sure when it's from, but it is a movie. It was remade by William Friedkin as Sorcerer. There's this movie called Sorcerer. Um, and they're both incredible. Like uh, Emily and I watched them both last year. And Wages of Fear leans more into character, um, whereas Sorcerer leans more into spectacle. But they're both... Mm-hmm. both the, the movies are about like um, this town of you know, poor people that uh, this nearby like oiling company needs to transport this explosive material from one location to another. I think there's like an oil pipeline that has burst and they need to blow it away basically. 
Um, and so they decide, since it is an incredibly dangerous, uh, you know, task, what they're going to do is they're going to hire these people out of this poor town, like people who want to get the fuck out of this town. They're going to pay them enough money to transport this incredibly explosive material. And Mm -hmm. so the whole movie is just like people in these trucks, like trying not to drive too fast, trying not to drive too slow, trying not to drive on anything too bumpy, uh, dealing with hazards like, uh, you know, trees falling down on the road, dealing with hazards like bridges that are falling apart. Um, Yeah, it's fucking so Hitchcockian, right? (laughs) They're so so fucking tense, and those movies are fucking wonderful. And so, Yeah. yeah, this movie... Uh, or this episode of Mandalorian, it starts off with kind of the same premise. Like they are transporting explosives from one place to another. And there's a scene where Bill Burr and Mandalorian are sitting in the vehicle and they start to hear a commotion on the radio and they see an explosion in the distance. And that is directly lifted from wages of fear. Like it's, it's just like, like rubbing their face in the possible, in what might uh, await their, await them in the future. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, I think it's yeah, super well done. Those those movies sound great, and yeah, this is a nice thirty minute, <laughs> like sounds like a nice little thirty minute condensation of that with just stormtroopers, and, yeah, like, and, and like pirates and shit. Like yeah, yeah. this turn yeah, this takes like the premise of Wages of Fear, and then it's like, well, what if Fury Road happened along the way, <laughs> and then yeah. what if it ends up with the uh, the bar scene from Inglorious Bastards, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I- <laughs> I like that description a lot. Um, yeah, I just fucking wasn't crazy about the, the Mando face reveal because in my mind, okay, leading up to this in this season, in the back of my head, I was like, okay, I feel like there's a lot of shots and a lot of frames in this season where it's like hinted at we're going to see a little bit of his face or the way it, it was lit. It just like, okay, I feel like they're lighting it in a way that it's alluding to like you might be able to like, if you can squint, you might be able to see his face a little bit. That's, I don't know about you, but I kind of felt that way in certain shots where I was like, um, like they're like, maybe they're teasing to his you. Face, uh, like a little bit. And then it went way more in that direction than this episode in the beginning when, yeah, there's this whole thing where they're stealing this, uh, the stormtrooper suits. And then he turns and then, yeah, we kind of see his chin for the first time or even a few episodes before when he's drinking, we kind of yeah. lift the mask up and drink. And I was like, okay, yeah, we're going to see his face like really soon. And, I think just the way that they justified it didn't quite work for me because they're like, okay, like I can't go in there because like he knows me from this battle, so therefore yeah. I can't walk into this room. And so yeah, he that's goes really in there stupid because it's like, why didn't he just put his helmet on then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then like the scene right after that, they're having a conversation and he doesn't recognize him, and then they sit down and they have a drink, and he's looking at him face to face, and yeah. he like. There is like there's no issue. So it's and like so he could have done it, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, okay, like was this just like them being kind of unsure and maybe wrong? And, and I don't know, I don't know. But yeah, there's be... some like dumb plotting <laughs> happening. I think like a lot of the tension works, and I but I think yeah, there's some dumb plotting where they could have easily like made little writing changes to explain some of that stuff. Like like Bill Burr. He could have gone in there with his helmet. So all they have to do is be like, all right, put your helmet on. And then yeah. he left his helmet in the truck, have the truck drive away in the background. So now yeah, it removes that possibility. It, yeah, especially if it ends in like a firefight, them shooting. Like, it's cool that they have like the nice scene where he's talking to the general and everything. Yeah. Like, like you said, like the Inglorious Bastards 
like reference or illusion is is kind of solid. I'm down for that. But yeah, it just I felt like for such a big moment for his character, I felt like that showed up very soon. Just like I felt like the uh, Grogu Baby Yoda ceremony at the Jedi thing showed up kind of soon. Is like is these things felt like they were bigger events that I assumed might have happened later, but I don't know. Them happening as they're happening, they don't have the same weight when they're playing out in front of mm. you on screen. Like it's, I'm down for them to happen. It's really dope, and I'm you know I I'm feel like I can follow them to the move with this because clearly they're going to do a lot of shit. They're announcing you know ten more shows and yeah, <laughs> they're going oh all they're God. going all yeah. in again. They're like, all right, we're going, we're pushing all the chips into Star Wars again once more, but. Yeah, I, for for some reason, for something as big as the Mandalorian taking his helmet off, it didn't feel like a big moment. It just didn't, you know. I felt like you know that would have been an end of season three moment. I mean, something. I don't know, maybe I'm being naive, but it just I don't know. It just didn't feel heavy to me. At like all. I think the narrative justification's there because it's like, I mean, I guess it is kind of clunky how they get there because it's like, oh well, you have to do the mission. For first, it's like, well, somebody has to do the mission with Bill Burr because he can't be trusted. And it's like, yeah. everyone's afraid to do it because their faces are known. And Mandalorian's face isn't known, so he has to do it. So they decide to steal Stormtrooper stuff. And it's like, well, in that yeah. case, couldn't anyone have stolen Stormtrooper stuff? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, sure. They have, they have a good amount of people. And it's nice because, yeah, he's Bill Burr is a nice addition to the cast. But at the end of the day, yeah, it just leading to that, <laughs> then to his helmet being pulled off, it just seems kind of still yeah. unjustified. I like the them... Uh, being saved by the, the, the stormtroopers and us rooting for them. Yeah, that, that was cool. In that moment, I was really into that. I was like, this is dark. I was like, I like this, yeah, this dark is Star weird. Wars shit. And then we're immediately <laughs> like sitting down with a fascist. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, all right, yeah, well, yeah. that's that's who these people are fighting for. Like, yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was a trip. I just, yeah, just, just kind of bugged by that. But I think... The, the scenes were interesting. Yeah, maybe it was a. I, like where, I, like, I think it was a well-directed episode that could have used a punch-up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, straight up, yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else? Do we want to talk about all that news? I think this episode's kind of going a little long. Yeah, we're going a little bit long. Yeah, there's a lot of Star Wars stuff. I think, if, yeah, if we get into that, it can easily go another 30, 45 minutes. And so, I think we might as well just. Right, I think I should just mention what. what yeah, but okay. I want to watch for the next episode. Oh yeah, I think I'm going to ch- I think I'm gonna choose Sound of Metal because that was something I wanted to choose when we Definitely. first started the show at the very beginning, and it wasn't available. But now it's available, so I was so I was choice. hoping you would choose that because I saw that it was streaming, and I was like, oh, that'd be a good one to watch. I wonder if Thomas yeah. will pick it. Yes, yeah. yes, hell yeah! So that's going to be the next one. I don't know what the next franchise is. We I we've not yeah, we quite decided on it yet, but we're done with Final Destination. This feels good. Yeah. We have shed ourselves of this burden. <laughs> Death right. will no longer chase us in the night. Yeah. Well, can't escape it. Um, All right, cool. So should we just sign off on episode 18? Sure. Sounds good. Okay, cool. This has been episode 18 of Vague Zone. Uh, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, tweet at us at Vague Zone. Uh, if you want to email us at vaguezonepod at gmail.com, you can just send us lists, comments, questions, or whatever. All right. So this has been episode 18 of Vague Zone. I am one of your hosts, Thomas, and with me always is Daniel. All right. And we'll see you next time. All right. Take care.